Welcome to Write for Joy. My name's Allie Cross. I'm a USA Today bestselling author and certified life coach. I have chased joy my whole life until one day I realized I already had it. I found my joy, and now my goal is to help you find yours. Joy is all around us, so let's see if we can grab some of it for ourselves today. I'm Allie Cross, and this is Write for Joy. Hi, everyone. I am joined by Jared Kwan. Jared is a longtime friend of mine here in the Utah writing community. He perhaps become my nemesis, but we will not talk about that today. Jared is an author, a gamer. I definitely want to find out what kind of games he plays. You say a Twitch affiliate. Does that mean you stream on Twitch? And get paid for it. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Got to ask about that. A husband and a dad. And he also is a major volunteer. He put volunteer last. So I think that that's the thing. Like I know Jared and I'm sure he would put volunteer underneath being a husband and a dad. But he is a volunteer with in all caps. Um, He has made an art form, I think, out of being involved in nonprofit organizations. And he is just a brilliant guy. And so I'm super excited. I'm going to let you say hi here in a second, Darren. And I want you to tell us. (laughs) About your writing, which is what I prepped you to tell, but I also want to know what you're gaming and, um, and what your Twitch handle is so that people can follow you and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to my writing just recently in the last, uh, now it's seven months, uh, I've been fortunate enough to publish three new books for me. And one is actually a collection of short stories I've written over the years that won awards. And there's things in there from horror to futuristic romance, steampunk to supernatural and right. A little bit of everything. Um, So we put that into a collection of stories, which I I love. And then I drove Lyft for three years and I wrote a book about those adventures and what it was like driving Lyft and some of the really interesting people I've met. And then because like Ali was saying, I, I do volunteer quite a bit in the, in the community. A lot of people want to know how to get those same kind of connections. You know, how do you get invited to do these different projects and things? And so I wrote a book about that specifically, networking, which uh, as anybody knows, anybody who knows Allie knows that she also could write a book about networking and should, uh, that would look very, very, both very similar and very different, which is really cool. I love that there's more than one way to, to go at that apple. Yeah, you've definitely, um, like you go for the organizations and make changes, I feel, because I've seen them happen kind of from the top down. And I'm much more a grassroots kind of gal. Like I'm hanging out with the writers, which makes me less special because I don't have the big connections that Jared does. But it's wonderful because I feel like, I don't know, we should probably write like your part two of networking together or something because together I do think we've kind of got the full package of of networking um but I think both of us don't you think that the main point of it is if you see something that needs to be done or should be done or you wish was happening 
sometimes you just have to be the person who does it. And, yes. But we do live in this, you know, writers are notoriously um, introverted. And that is a whole other, I haven't read, I've read Lifted and it was amazing. That's his book on, on writing, driving Lyft. But I haven't read the networking book yet. And I wonder you have said, you also feel like an introvert, but you have created a, um, a persona, a character who can go out and perform these extroverted type tasks. And um, do you talk about that in your book? I do. Yeah. Because oh, cool. I want people to, to see all of the tips and tricks, all the little things that I do that help me and, and playing a character, uh, which I didn't realize I was doing initially. But then when my wife and I talked about it a lot more, I realized I was doing. Uh, anytime yeah. I put on the suit and the tie and, and the hat, I would play as this character that could go do anything and say anything. And it was okay if they said not the perfect thing or if they embarrassed themselves a little bit because it was that character and it wasn't me. And it let me kind of remove that a little bit, a little bit of that stress for me. And it's just, it's on that character. Yeah. What I think was so brilliant was that idea that you don't have to force yourself to become this outgoing, awesome networking type person, you can pretend. And if there's one thing as writers, we're very good at doing is pretending. So I just think most of us have not, we've not really known that that was okay. Like you, Jared, you came at it innately, like sort of accidentally. And I think Lance said he did it very purposefully. He knew he wanted a dividing line between his writer self and his family self. So he did it intentionally. And, um, but either way, they created a person who is capable. It's just like writing a character for one of your books. You're just acting them out. So um, Jared is brilliant and has just, it's been so fun to watch him because I knew him when. He was probably just wearing those clothes because those are the clothes that made him feel powerful or capable to be at these conferences and stuff. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Anything that, um, you know, dressing up, as we know, dressing up takes so much extra effort and it's so uncomfortable. People ask <laughs> me about being hot in a suit and it is incredibly uncomfortable. But what it also does, as as we all know, you stand out in a crowd because it's a purposeful different than everything else that you see. So it did. It, it made me feel a little bit more important when you dress up, of course, than people. It's interesting what I discovered when I, when I drove Lyft, and I, I mentioned that in the book, you probably saw that, where there's a part of our brains where we want to trust people and we will shortcut our trust decision makings depending on you know, when we meet individuals, depending on what they're wearing, what they look like, you know, what environment we meet them in. And when I dressed up in a suit, it did make me feel more powerful, but also would shortcut people's trust in me. Like it was easier for me to gain their trust because in their brains, subconsciously, they were making all sort, sort of shortcuts to say, this guy is trustworthy. I, I should at least give him a chance. 
And and oh. that's what the suit would do for me. Yeah. And I've really seen the change happen in you. Like there was a long time where you were behind the desk mostly at conferences and stuff because for a long time, Jared was the face of the League of Utah Writers. Um, he was who I thought of as the League. And, um, but now I rarely see you behind the desk and you are not just waiting for people to come to you to talk. You are going out and talking to people. It just, you can just see this visual change. And I think the change came from when you realized, you know, when you were just sort of doing it perhaps accidentally in a way. And when you had realized, wait a second, this works for me. I can talk to anyone in the backseat of my car when I'm dressed like this. I can talk to anyone at TEDx Salt Lake or wherever else you're working when I'm dressed like this. It's just a really cool concept and something I think that introverts need to hear who are in any kind of position where they have to, whether you're an artist or not, any kind of time when you're in a position that you have to go and do and be something a little bit more or whatever than you think you are. Cause I'm quite positive. All of you guys out there are way more than you think you are. Um, sometimes we just need to find the right armor, the right costume, however you want to think of it. Um, that allows us to be our full, our real Selves. Because I do think it's a real self kind of thing, because we sort of set ourselves free from some of the limitations that we would otherwise um, hold ourselves to. So I highly recommend Lifted, but I'm also going to recommend networking because I, but even though I haven't read it, just because networking is really Jared's jam and he has really learned how to do it from an introverted perspective like i'm not sure i could have ever written that book or anyone would ever believe me because even though i have my own insecurities it was a different growth and so i think it's a really important book for anyone who has to perform in social situations and is a little eh about it so so, okay, so I did want you to tell me, though, about the gaming. Yes, the video games. I, you know what, ever since I first touched my very first Atari 2400 <laughs> when I was a kid, yeah, which uh, definitely, you know, dates me a little bit there, right? Uh, I You was have just... that baby face, though. You'll be <laughs> for, for, for a while. Life, right? <laughs> So yeah, I I have always loved it and was passionate about video games. And then I knew that video games loved me when uh, back in the day, and most people won't remember this, but Nintendo actually had put out a nationwide contest and they had, they brought uh, contests to local group communities. And if you won, you got to progress. You could go to the, the regionals. And if you won the regionals, you got to go to the nationals and you got to go to Disneyland and play and a big, a big yeah, tournament for a bunch of money. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I, so I had uh, one, uh, I, or I came in second place in my regionals, and I almost got to go to to Disneyland 
um, from Arizona, which was a lot of a lot of fun doing that. But so growing up, I was always about video games and using those. Uh, for for a while, of course, I overused video games, which is easy to do. Anybody who plays video games can tell you you can. <laughs> but uh, but what I love now, uh, Twitch streaming, is I love a lot of community gaming. I love playing like Call of Duty Warzone with my friends because I love the interaction. I get to hang out and talk and play. Uh, I do love when people come onto the stream and I get to talk and hang out and play with those those people as well, especially when I play NCAA 14, which was the last NCAA football game uh, before the lawsuit in which I totally agree with the lawsuit. It's because NCAA players were not getting paid for the, the company to use their, their images. Yeah, exactly. And um, so I'll play that video game. I love, you know, people coming by and talking, but I love playing games like Lonely, Lonely Mountain Downhill uh, Biking, which uh, it, you're just on, a, just on a mountain bike going downhill. Uh, you're just, you know, going through different obstacle courses, but, but it's all nature and it's a lot of fun. So like, I'm a very broad, whether it's Animal Crossing or Dreamlight Valley or Warzone or, or Call of Duty. Like I, I have been blessed with the love of video games in general. So I'll play just about anything at least once, you know, to see what, what kind of joy I can find out of it. Um, yeah. But those are primarily what I stream right now on Twitch. Okay. And we are going to include your handle in the show notes. Awesome. So make sure I make sure I get that from you. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned joy. Of course, thank you for that nice little segue. <laughs> um, what I, I didn't really realize when I started this show, how many are, how many different perspectives there would be about what joy is. So I will, before we find out more, do you know what joy is? Can you define it for us? So joy, you know, for me, the, the, the way I would define it is, is something that brings me such happiness that uh, I feel like in that moment, I, how to say this in a not be kind of crazy way, like in that moment, I would be okay if the end of the world happened in that moment because everything is right. Everything is perfect in that moment. And that's what I feel is like pure joy. And there are different you know, levels of joy getting up to that point. I mean, I'm happy all the time. It doesn't mean I want the world to end all the time. I just think <laughs> I just think that there's that when you get that moment of pure joy, that it's something incredibly special and, and should be cultivated. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And it it explains how you feel, you said, when you're gaming sometimes and when you're sharing it with friends and, and even new friends. Um, that's awesome. Cool. Thank you. So where do you find that in your writing? Because that that's a pretty powerful feeling you're talking about. <laughs> yes. I know, and a lot of people listening will know writing is often a slog <laughs> and not so much those moments of joy. So can you tell us a little about where you find that or when or if you have? Yeah, so I very first discovered it uh, when I wrote essentially my first story ever in my life. And that was in the fourth grade. 
I admitted to the fourth grade and I was suffering from severe learning disabilities. And I, I managed to get to the fourth grade without really learning how to read and write. I kind of kept getting pushed through the system. And uh, in that year, the Apple IIe came to the school, uh, which was, you know, wonderful technology. And I typed out my very first story. I just, the first creative thing that came to mind. And when I produced it and my teacher read it and my teacher asked me, you know, like, Hey, did I read that someplace? Like, where did I get this from? And I'm like, no, I just, this is what I created. And the teacher was so impressed that she showed it to other teachers and people began to, to talk about this thing. And I was like, I, I recognized the power of what the written word could do. And so that's when I, I fell in love with, but that's when I also realized that there was more in life than just trying to survive. You know, as a kid, I mean, mostly it's just, hey, let's just have fun and survive. Um, so that's where, when I got the first taste of, of really joy when it came to writing. But over the years, it always, it always happened when I would write, initially it was when I would write stories to create a specific kind of impact. When I wrote stories for, um, as an editor of my high school newspaper, I got to write some editorials that included some story kind of materials, but I knew what kind of impact I was going for. And I was looking to see what kind of impact, because there's something that we can designate it towards, but we don't know what it's going to be, how the reader's going to respond to it until they actually read it. And then seeing the, that powerful impact one way or another. And in high school, I had such a powerful impact that the school banned the newspaper for four years after I graduated. So that last story was a bit controversial. Uh, it wasn't a, a last story. It was several that happened throughout okay. the year. It did, it strung it together, but, but that's when I, you know, as I evolved my writing, it wasn't, there was joy in, there's always joy in coming up with the next ending. I love, I'm very passionate about endings. I love writing towards endings. Uh, I'm very much a pantser when it comes to writing, which, you know, drives many people nuts. And I totally understand why. That's when I write nonfiction. When I, or when I write fiction, when I write nonfiction, it has to be structured uh, because that's all yeah. reality and stuff. But, but when I get to write, you know, in a fantasy world and I'm just, anything can happen at any moment, I would find these moments of joy and elation when my characters would do things I didn't expect. And I'm like, that, that is, is brilliant. miraculous, isn't it? Yes. It feels like a miracle. Is these people really come alive. I've had that happen only a few times, honestly, in my decade long. And it, but it is so special and amazing when it happens. Right? I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness. I can't believe they said that. That is so perfect. Yeah. Right? And then so I get that initial moment of joy in my writing. And then what I love is when I send that out into the world and then somebody reads it and they come back to me and they share their experience of joy of that moment in the story. I get to relive that, that moment again. So like, you're right. Most of writing is a slog and it could be really tough. There's a lot of revision and a lot of editing wasn't isn't quite as fun some people do love editing and good for them it's not me but um it is coming up with those moments and then reliving them over and over and over again as people get to experience those those moments as well yeah that is amazing that i was listening to you and your story 
from high school, from fourth grade on, from fourth grade on thinking, what an, an amazing thing to happen, both in those teachers' lives and yours, because they learn that, because this was long enough ago that computers were so new and learning disabilities were not um, like, automatically tested for or watched for among our teachers and stuff. I mean, honestly, they must have known they existed, but they're just, there wasn't as much of a thing as it is now. And, and I just think your teachers got to see that you were not stupid. You just needed, like, and computers provided an easier avenue. Um, because it's easier to type for many kids than it is to write and just on and on so many things. And, and no wonder you ended up with a love of both computers and writing because both were elemental in, in creating a core memory of happiness, right? Absolutely. Um, I think that movie Joy is like the perfect explanation of how we you know, of those big moments, sad or, or glad. Um, but you can totally see how a young Jared would then internalize this powerful moment when he actually felt smart and capable. And it had to do with telling stories and with computers. And then here you are decades later doing both. So I thought that was really interesting. And I also think it's really interesting how you are focused. I like how you said you love endings and because so do I. I never understand it when people like don't know where their story is going. Um, I probably shouldn't admit that because I might offend people. I'm so sorry. Um, just because I personally can allow almost anything to happen. But if I don't know where I'm going, then, then I don't know what story I'm writing. That's maybe that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. But um, so I can relate to that. But that desire in you to create an impact, um, that's a really thought provoking thing for me because um, I also think that that's our goal in writing a story is not just to write something that's great and even awesome but it's that impact if you don't make an impact your book doesn't become that book that people you know like press to their hearts when it's done and and like just like whoa and they want to talk to somebody immediately about it because because it impacted them they might not know it impacted them but I think those stories that we have that experience with always do have something that resonates deeply. And if not creates a change in people, it, it's, it's a little push at the very least. And, <laughs> but it, um, it explains too, I think, why you're able to get out and do as much as you do that. I know that you have a busy family and that your family had been through some 
extraordinary challenges. And yet you continue to volunteer and to do your things. But it's because you weren't just getting something out of it. I'm sure you got stuff out of your, but you are hardwired to make an impact, to be a force for good or for change. And so that is so, is probably so elemental in you that you can't really divide yourself from that. It's just fascinating. And I love this new glimpse into who you are. Like that helps me understand you and your motivations. So, so much better. Um, I think that's a really, um, shoot, I can't think of the word that means, um, like noble, I guess it doesn't quite the right word, but so I know you're probably going to go eh, whatever, cause I'm complimenting you, but, um, but that's really cool. That, that's really neat that you, that that is part of who you are, that you're not just doing what you're doing to climb a ladder, to become more known, to become special. Although every single person on this planet wants to be special. I, so even if you're the shyest person ever, you want to be special. It's just human nature, but you're doing it because like deep down because you want to be a force for good and that probably also is a great source of joy for you because like you said when someone reads a book and comes back and tells you and you get to relieve those moments of joy you're also fulfilling this like bigger need maybe deeper need of having made an impact um you were memorable and the person internalized that so it's really cool like it's like i love that you've discovered and, be, and are able to um to speak on all these things because it makes me think that you must experience joy more often than maybe the average person thinks they experience joy because you have identified these pieces of yourself so you're able to fulfill them more and therefore feed that need you know, it just goes round and round. So it's awesome. And the world benefits because we get more of your stories and more of your goodness and change in our community. So that's really, really cool. You are awesome. I've always thought you were awesome, but now I really, really know it. Um, is there anything that you would like to say um, before we say goodbye? Anything you want to say to the audience? Yeah, I I love to talk about uh, how in the movie 2012, I don't know if you remember that one, John Cusick. John Cusick's actually a writer in that movie. Most people just remember the disasters, you know, that, that encompass the world in that show. Yeah. But in that movie, uh, as he's going to save his family and going to, you know, try and do what he can, you know, for, for him to save his life and the life of his family, even though he's been separated from his family. When he gets onto the ship at the very end, you discover that, you know, the president and all the, you know, scientists and everybody got the, all the best books from the libraries, all the arts, you know, all these animals, they wanted to save the very best of, of everything. And it happened to be that John Cusick had carried his book onto that ship also to discover that that was the president's favorite book. And it wasn't a part of the collections that were saved. 
it wasn't something that was going to be included. Uh, it's one of those things that you don't know what kind of impact your book's going to have. And it doesn't have to be a bestseller to be impactful. Wasn't what it wasn't the opening scene, something like he had boxes of his book and and it had been part of his like perhaps failing marriage or something because he was not successful as yeah. a writer. Exactly. Yeah. And that and that that you know ties in with the the story of of Melville, who of course wrote Moby Dick, who was a successful best-selling author until he wrote Moby Dick which destroyed his career and yeah. and really uh, turned things not great for him in the rest of his life. But yeah, that a, book went on. <laughs> right, it's a required read. So when it comes to writing, and we might not we might not necessarily get to see the fruits of the success that the impact will be on the world, but what we do know is there won't be that joy or success or impact in the world if we don't go through the effort to to publish it. To to put ourselves out there, to to risk it all, to to share it with the world, because as we know, for for people who are first time authors, it is like really showing yourself to the world and bearing your soul, and it can be really hard. Once you do it, like you know, four or five times, or a dozen times, or <laughs> twenty times, it gets a little bit easier, obviously. But every time, though, it's still a little piece of you, and you don't know what the impact's going to be. And I take, I love. To think that it just that the fact that there's a possibility that some sometime 200 years from now, somebody might go, wow, you know, this was really impactful. This was really good. And it doesn't necessarily be, need to be me. It could be an author that I helped find the resources. And that's all that really mattered at the end of the day is that thing got to impact the world in a positive way. I love that. And I'm, I'm thinking of Jared in heaven, <laughs> you know, like some future time, Jared up in heaven and someone down the line, like it's like a domino effect and you could still experience joy in this one action you took way back when you were living because that perhaps small thing that you did has had that kind of um, effect where generations later someone else may experience a moment of joy because you made a difference or at the very least you tried because we often don't see the difference that we make so it's a try you know we can say well I tried but you know it didn't work or whatever but you just don't know you're not around to see how it could be you know, a year later or a hundred years later. And I mean, like you mentioned Melville, he must have finished out his career feeling pretty much like he had just sunk his boat, so to speak, since we're talking about Moby Dick. Um, and yet, I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I wouldn't be surprised if his book is like one of the top grossing novels of all time, because it is required reading. It's like on anybody's top 100 books to read before you die kind of list. Um, no, I don't pick um, it. It's just. Uh, so, you know, he would have left the world thinking. Mm. And not, I can't readily recall any of his other works. 
I don't know that I've ever read them or know their titles, the books that were successful. So you just can't judge how like success and the joy we receive in making a difference that success really, um, we want success, most of us, so that we can have that impact on more people. That's what it mostly comes down to, I think, for most people. Um, but you just don't know when that's going to happen because it might not look like success today. So, Jared, you have just, you are always so neat to run into and to talk to, but this was really special for me learning about you and seeing your the smile on your face um you are a force and i'm so grateful to have met you i just have to put a plug in and say that jared actually knew my husband first so because they both work in um computer stuffs and um and he and jared had known each other through some conferences or some things and so it was kind of this fun little meeting of worlds. And then, and now I know Jared better than David does. <laughs> but um, it's just kind of neat. I love kismet and serendipity where things come together. And and um, and I'm just, a, I am a better person for knowing you. And I hope that anyone who listens to this show will check out their show notes, follow the links to find more about Jared, um, his Twitch channel, if you're into gaming, and also uh, links to purchase his books. Um, it's a worthwhile moment or two to spend following those links and, and checking out what Jared has to offer. And if you are in the local community, definitely take his classes and um, you know find the guy in the black fedora hat and the black suit because I'm positive it'll be Jared. But I hope, Jared, you also get the opportunity to teach and to be in other places than just Utah, because you've got a great message that needs shared. So thank you so much for being here with me. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I was excited to be here. You are awesome. Have a great day, Jared. You too. And have a great day, everybody else. Thank you so much for listening or watching. And we'll catch you next time. Bye.